God, thank you for allowing us to know you through your word. In Jesus' name, you are so good to us. Amen. Hey, thanks for coming back. It's day three. Um, today, we are going into the account of the great flood. We're going to see how mankind degenerated into utter wickedness. And then God chose to destroy all that he had created except for Noah and his family. So um, it's an exciting and a rather sad turn of events, but let's get into it. So we're starting with a little insight insert. In the accounts of Seth, Cain, and their descendants is a hint that two distinct groups of people have been developing. Those descending from Seth, for example, Enoch, were apparently people who lived righteously before God. On the other hand, those descending from Cain, as typified by Lamech, the murderer, appear to have degenerated into unrighteousness. Therefore, although undoubtedly individual exceptions might be found within each of the two extended families, it can generally be assumed that the Sethites were godly people and the Cainites ungodly. At this point, however, the record seems to indicate that the sons of God, perhaps referring to the Sethites, or in any event, to those who have had a God-fearing heritage, now begin to intermarry with the daughters of men, not because they are righteous women, but only because they are physically attractive. The apparent result is that such mixture of the godly and ungodly leads to an obliteration of moral distinctions and righteous living. The situation is so bad, in fact, that terribly wicked men known as Nephilim have become heroes among the people. Only 10 generations have lived since Adam was first created in God's own image, and they have all sinned, to one extent or another, by being disobedient to God's law. With each generation has come rejection of God's sovereignty and love, as it now begins to appear that more and more of mankind has turned to wickedness, God is inclined to destroy his creation. Yet there is a handful of people, including Noah, who still walk with God. So God mercifully postpones destruction of the world for 120 years. We'll get into Genesis chapter 6. When men began to increase in number on the earth and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful, and they married any of them they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with man forever, for he is mortal. His days will be a hundred and twenty years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God went to the daughters of men and had children by them. They were the heroes of old, men of renown. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth, men and animals and creatures that move along the ground, and birds of the air, for I am grieved that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Another insight insert. 
Because of the de degradation of the human race, God has reluctantly decided to destroy mankind from the earth. Yet, there is a remnant of righteous men and women who comprise the family of Noah, and God looks upon them with mercy. God warns Noah that he will soon unleash a flood of waters upon the earth that will destroy all living creatures. Noah is instructed to build an ark or ship in which he and his family, plus pairs of each kind of living creature, will be saved from destruction. Despite undoubted ridicule from curious onlookers, Noah and his sons act in faith and construct the ark. As the rains begin to fall and the springs pour forth water, Noah's family enters into the ark with various animals and prepares for the most cataclysmic event in the history of the earth, the Great Flood. The flood comes 1,656 years after the creation and will last for the better part of a year. After 40 days and nights of constant rain, the waters will cover the mountaintops by more than 20 feet before beginning to diminish on the 150th day. The mountains will once again be seen on the 224th day, and a raven will be sent out 40 days later in an unsuccessful attempt to find evidence of life. Then, apparently, after a lapse of seven more days, a dove will be released once each week for three weeks. On the second week, the dove will return with an olive branch, which gives Noah evidence of new life on the earth. And on its third release, the dove will disappear altogether. Still, Noah will remain in the ark until the ground is completely dry. Finally, after 370 days inside this unusual vessel of human and animal cargo, Noah and his family will emerge to a new life of promise with God's blessings. And back to scripture. This is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood, make rooms in it, and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Make a roof for it and finish the ark to within 18 inches of the top. Put a door in the side of the ark and make lower, middle, and upper decks. I am going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens, every creature that has the breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish, but I will establish my covenant with you and you will enter the ark, you and your sons, and your wife, and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, and of every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. <laughs> you are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten, and store it away as food for you and for them. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. The Lord then said to Noah, 
Go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. Take with you seven of every kind of clean animal, a male and its mate, and two of every kind of unclean animal, a male and its mate, and also seven of every kind of bird, male and female, to keep their various kinds alive throughout the earth. Seven days from now, I will send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, and I will wipe from the face of the earth every living creature I have made. And Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. Noah was 600 years old when the floodwaters came on the earth, and Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives entered the ark to escape the waters of the flood. Pairs of clean and unclean animals, of birds, and of all creatures that move along the ground, male and female, came to Noah and entered the ark, as God had commanded Noah. And after the seven days, the flood waters came on the earth. In the 600th year of Noah's life, on the 17th day of the second month, on that day, all the springs of the great deep burst forth and the floodgates of the heavens were opened, and rain fell on the earth forty days and forty nights. On that very day, Noah and his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, together with his wife and the wives of his three sons, entered the ark. They had with them every wild animal according to, all, to its kind, all livestock according to their kinds, every creature that moves along the ground according to its kind, and every bird according to its kind, everything with wings. Pairs of all creatures that have the breath of life in them came to Noah and entered the ark. The animals going in were male and female of every living thing as God had commanded Noah. Then the Lord shut them in. For 40 days the flood kept coming on the earth, and as the waters increased, they lifted the ark high above the earth. The waters rose and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the surface of the water. They rose greatly on the earth, and all the high mountains under the entire heavens were covered. The waters rose and covered the mountains to a depth of more than 20 feet. Every living thing that moved on the earth perished birds, livestock, wild animals, all the creatures that swarm over the earth, and all mankind. Everything on dry land that had the breath of life in its nostrils died. Every living thing on the face of the earth was wiped out. Men and animals and the creatures that move along the ground and the birds of the air were wiped from the earth. Only Noah was left and those with him in the ark. The waters flooded the earth for a hundred and fifty days. But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark, and he sent a wind over the earth, and the waters receded. Now the springs of the deep and the floodgates of the heavens had been closed, and the rain had stopped falling from the sky. The water receded steadily from the earth. At the end of the hundred and fifty days, the water had gone down. And on the 17th day of the seventh month, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. The waters continued to recede until the 10th month. And on the first day of the 10th month, the tops of the mountains became visible. 
After forty days, Noah opened the window he had made in the ark and sent out a raven, and it kept flying back and forth until the water had dried up from the earth. Then he sent out a dove to see if the water had receded from the surface of the ground. But the dove could find no place to set its feet because there was water over all the surface of the earth. So it returned to Noah in the ark. He reached out his hand and took the dove and brought it back to himself in the ark. He waited seven more days and again sent out the dove from the ark. When the dove returned to him in the evening, there in its beak was a freshly plucked olive leaf. Then Noah knew that the water had receded from the earth. He waited seven more days and sent the dove out again, but this time it did not return to him. By the first day of the first month of Noah's 601st year, the water had dried up from the earth. Noah then removed the covering from the ark and saw that the surface of the ground was dry. By the 27th day of the second month, the earth was completely dry. Then God said to Noah, Come out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Bring out every kind of living creature that is with you, the birds, the animals, and all the creatures that move along the ground, so they can multiply on the earth and be fruitful and increase in number upon it. So Noah came out, together with his sons and his wife and his sons' wives, all the animals and all the creatures that move along the ground and all the birds, Everything that moves on the earth came out of the ark, one kind after another. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and taking some of all the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of man, even though every inclination of his heart is evil from childhood and never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. The fear and dread of you will fall upon all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air, upon every creature that moves along the ground, and upon all the fish of the sea, they are given into your hands. Everything that lives and moves will be food for you. Just as I gave you the green plants, I now give you everything. But you must not eat meat that has its lifeblood still in it. And for your lifeblood, I will surely demand an accounting. I will demand an accounting from every animal, and from each man too. I will demand an accounting for the life of his fellow man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made man. As for you, be fruitful and increase in number. Multiply on the earth and increase upon it. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you, and with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth. I establish my covenant with you. 
Never again will all life be cut off by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. So God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant I have established between me and all life on the earth. Another brief insight insert. What God accomplished in the flood was the eradication of a corrupt and degenerate human race. Even such ancient traditions as the Gilgamesh epic of ancient Babylon confirm early acceptance of such an extraordinary deluge. Beyond its own historical context, the flood stands as a symbol of the destructiveness of sin and the grace of God in saving those who would act in faith through righteous living. But the human condition, even among the righteous remnant of Noah's family, is such that sin soon finds its way back into the lives of even those who were saved in the flood. To document man's continued fallen state, the Genesis account records an incident in which Noah drinks himself into a drunken stupor, and Ham shows a great disrespect for his father, Noah, whom he finds not only drunk, but naked. Noah's response upon learning of Ham's disrespect is to utter a curse against Ham's son, Canaan, a curse presumably intended as a prediction of servitude on the part of Ham's descendants. As the biblical text unfolds, it will appear that the descendants of Canaan, who are known as Canaanites, will be the same ethnic stock as the people known as Israelites, and indeed, at times, will be in servitude to the descendants of Shem and Japheth. Back to scripture. The sons of Noah who came out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. These were the three sons of Noah, and from them came the people who were scattered over the earth. Noah, a man of the soil, proceeded to plant a vineyard. When he drank some of its wine, he became drunk and lay uncovered inside his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father's nakedness and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it across their shoulders. Then they walked in backward and covered their father's nakedness. Their faces were turned the other way so that they would not see their father's nakedness. When Noah awoke from his wine and found out what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan, the lowest of slaves will he be to his brothers. He also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem. May Canaan be the slave of Shem. May God extend the territory of Japheth. May Japheth live in the tents of Shem, and may Canaan be his slave. After the flood, Noah lived 350 years. Altogether, Noah lived 950 years, and then he died. And that was day three.
All right, I, I found a couple of interesting things going through here. Um, so Ham's disrespect apparently was just telling his brothers, oh, look at dad. He's in his tent, drunk and naked. And that was very disrespectful. Um, I also, the whole thing about the animals in the ark, I wonder, did those animals get along with each other? Because animals today bite and eat each other, <laughs> but they must have gotten along in the ark. And um, they were in there for so long, many of them probably reproduced, possibly. I don't know. Um, but I do have to say something about the rainbow. It's a beautiful, beautiful symbol of God's promise of um, and mercy. And not to get into anything, but I just want to say that no one can change the significance of the beauty of the rainbow. And I'll leave that at that. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see if there's anything else I wanted to mention of that. The Nephilim are very interesting. Um, it's a very interesting topic to think about and study. I plan to do a little more of that in the near future. Um, but I think that's about all of the points to ponder that I have today. Um, have a good day. See you tomorrow.